Hey, everybody, and welcome to Muscle Maven Radio. I hope you guys are doing wonderfully, enjoying your spring. You're happy and healthy, keeping busy. I'm your host, Ashley Van Houten, if you haven't been here before. Um, So today, the episode is a little bit different. It's just me talking again, but this is actually uh, just a brief excerpt from a talk that I did um, that I thought I would repurpose and post here as a podcast because I just thought it was maybe useful uh, for folks who um, do not have my book yet, It Takes Guts, who are interested in eating organ meats. Basically, what this is, I spoke um, for The Healthy Rebellion, which is a private online community platform hosted by Rob Wolf. And it's a really, really cool, I think, unique space. It's kind of probably for people who are interested in connecting with like-minded individuals online to talk about health and wellness and fitness and everything else um, in a sort of more, I don't know, um, community-based uh, platform, you know, like social media can be great, but it can also be pretty nightmarish and it can be hard to kind of control what you're seeing, um, what you have access to, who has access to you. We all know how nasty social media can be. Um, but the healthy rebellion is trying to be just a little bit more, I don't know, targeted, um, in their intention about helping people be healthy um, and happy and constructive and productive. So anyway, I'm a part of this community. I think it's really great. I think if you're interested, you should go check it out and maybe join. Um, There's a lot of really cool, smart, positive people there and a lot of really great resources being shared. Um, So I'm going to put a link to that in the show notes. You can go check out The Healthy Rebellion if you'd like. But anyway, they asked me to come on and talk to them a little bit about organ meats in general, but one organ in particular, because this was around February that I spoke to them. And it was Valentine's Day. So I talked about heart, eating heart, why you should eat heart, why it's delicious, why it's healthy, why it's versatile, and why it might be a good sort of gateway organ for folks who are just learning about um, eating nose to tail. So that's it. Um, I'm talking to a small group and maybe there's some people asking questions and stuff. So that might be why if you're listening to it, it kind of has a bit of a different sound than my usual podcast. Um, but I hope that you enjoy it. If you have any questions, of course, you know, you can reach out to me on social media at the muscle maven. You can send me an email through my website, ashleyvanhouten.com. I have a a couple actual free ebooks, recipe ebooks on my website right now. One for It Takes Guts about organ meats, and one for the new book, Carnivore Ish, which is just sort of animal protein based meals. So you can download both of those books for free and kind of um, get a bit of a taste, no pun intended, for what the actual books are about. So that's it. I hope you enjoy it. I hope you try eating some heart. And if you do, I would love to hear about it. Tag me on social media, send me a message, let me know what you think. Um, Because it's all about just trying new things, learning new things, expanding our horizons, having fun doing it. Uh, So that's it. Without further ado, here is me some more talking about why you should be eating heart. So I wrote the book uh, at the beginning of the pandemic. It's called It Takes Guts. And it was basically sort of, it's kind of like a entry point to eating organ meats for people who already eat 
meat. Um, and so the distinction here is that I'm not trying to convince everybody to eat organ meats. I'm not certainly not trying to convince vegans to eat organ meats. Like we're not going from zero to a hundred here. Human beings don't really work that way. Um, I'm trying to talk to the vast majority of us who, whether the internet wants you to believe it or not, the vast majority of us do eat meat. And we're trying to, I think, find ways to do it in a healthy way, do it in a sustainable way, um, be mindful and thoughtful and also optimize our health. And I really found it quite interesting in my uh, work and in my kind of environment, how taboo or just sort of underrepresented organ meats were, even in this like ancestral health, um, really kind of educated food nerd meat eating community, people still were really either scared of it or turned off by it, or just didn't even think about it or know about it at all. And I thought that that was kind of an interesting um, opportunity for me because I started um, this work, like my work in sort of health and nutrition in the paleo uh, world. I wrote for Paleo Magazine for a number of years and hosted their podcast. And as I sort of evolved in my own personal way of eating, I was learning more about um, the importance of just sort of having a connection with your food and knowing where it comes from. Uh, and I kind of thought it was my responsibility to sort of take some of these steps into like the discomfort of being more connected to where my food comes from, because I do believe and in talking to uh, farmers and people whose jobs are um, taken care of and processing animals for a living that these people who have to do the dirty work and the hard work are often the people who like care about and love and respect animals um, the most. And so it was really a learning uh, experience for me. And so as I was, again, personally eating different types of meat, eating organs, kind of experimenting, I was like posting some stuff on social media and I'd post little things here and there and I'd get just like a ton of people just being like, what are you doing? Like, that's disgusting. Barf emojis left and right. Just people really not, but they were interested though, right? Because they were messaging me. And like maybe one out of 10 people would, instead of sending a barf emoji, they'd be like, what are you doing? Like, can you, how are you doing that? Where do you get this food? Where, you know, where does it come from? How do you make it? How do you make it taste good? And so I thought, okay, I gotta, I gotta write a book. So I started writing a book um, and pitched it and wrote it all in the first year of the pandemic because what else did I have to do, frankly? Um, so it was a really quick learning curve for me too, because I don't have a background in eating this way, eating organ meats. I don't have a professionally trained um, like recipe developer chef background, which is why I say it's a cliche to say it. But if I can do this, if I can make these recipes, if I can make it palatable, like you really can, because I don't have any special skills in that department except for a willingness to kind of try it. Um, and that's why like number one excuse people who are like, I didn't grow up eating this way. I'm like, don't don't come to me with that because I, I didn't either. Um, you just got to kind of be willing to experiment. I think that it's so varied. There are so many different ways you can enjoy and explore uh, organ meats that you'll find something that you like. If you like meat and you, you're willing to kind of try different preparations and try different cuts and, and things like that, you will, you will find something um, that you enjoy. And the reason why I think it's important is because um, if we're going to, kill and eat animals to um, be healthy and to participate in that life cycle. We should do our best to respect the animals who are giving their life for us. Um, we should be trying to optimize our own health. Um, 
and organ meats are the healthiest foods on the planet. They just are. They're the most bioavailable, nutrient-dense foods you can possibly eat. And, you know, I write about in the book, and you've probably heard this before, that back in the day when people hunted and gathered, and people still do, um, before they had Google to tell them what was healthy and what was like the trendiest health food to eat, when they hunted an animal and they processed it, they went straight for the organs. They went for the liver and the heart and the brain uh, and they ate those first and whatever was left over, they'd eat later, they'd give to their dogs, whatever. But they knew inherently what was the healthiest cuts. And it's kind of switched in more modern times a lot because of sort of the agricultural and industrial agriculture changes that we've obviously seen in the last hundred or so years. Um, there's actually, there's really kind of like a, a, a modern reason why we don't see organ meats as much. There used to be a butcher shop kind of in every neighborhood. Um, there used to be a kind of closer to connection to the people who are bringing in the food and, and, and preparing it for you. Everybody kind of had their butcher or their farmer or their farmer at the farmer's market. And they'd say like, what do you got? And what's good and, and bring it to me. And when we started mass producing factory farming animals, um, and started having these big box stores that didn't have like a local butcher who kind of was like paying attention to where the food was coming from. It's just all mass produced coming off of a truck somewhere. Um, we kind of lost that connection of like knowing what the food was and how to cook it and how to make it and where it was coming from and why it was good. And they also stopped kind of bringing in organ meats as much because they are generally speaking a little bit, um, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to use the word finicky, but they're a little bit more delicate, right? So it's a lot easier to kind of like ship slabs of steaks and ribs and ground beef and stuff like that rather than, you know, heart and liver and sweetbreads and things like that. Um, so these things just kind of slowly over time stopped um, being in the public eye as much. Um, and we could talk a lot about kind of cultural changes and people maybe not passing along um, their grandparents and their great grandparents recipes and a more homogenized diet that we're seeing in North America. Um, so these things just kind of stopped showing up as much. Um, and we became really used to eating like a very narrow um, kind of amount of food and types of foods and foods that taste very maybe bland or comfortable that we're used to. Um, so a lot of people are kind of scared of the idea of eating um, cuts or, or different parts of the animal that they're already eating because it's just unfamiliar and they just haven't seen it. They don't know how to, how to do it. Um, and that's why I'm, that's what I did with the book is try to change it, try to show you that it's easy. It's really not as difficult as you think. It doesn't take quite as much finesse or time or um, expertise as you would think. And it can be delicious. I'm not trying to convince you to choke down liver every day for your health. I'm telling you, you really can find ways to enjoy these things. Um, but you got to get creative and maybe be willing to put a little bit of, of work and time in, you know, and I think that, um, also in our modern culture, we kind of expect, and I'm not saying we like maybe you guys specifically, you're kind of a, a special group, I think, but generally speaking, as a culture, we expect food to be kind of really convenient and cheap and easy and hyper palatable. Um, and when you have to put a little bit more effort and time and work in, and it doesn't taste like, you know, chocolate cake or a Big Mac, um, people are like, well, what's the point? but I think that there, there is a good point to doing it. So um, 
So that's why I wrote the book. And I would tell people that if you're starting out, if you are interested in organ meats, but you're kind of like freaked out or intimidated, or maybe you like tried somebody's liver and onions and were totally turned off. I don't blame you, but dive back in. It's worth it. You know, a lot of people say like, I don't like, I didn't like Brussels sprouts growing up because my parents like boiled some Brussels sprouts and it was disgusting. Nobody says never eat vegetables again. We say like, find better ways to prepare it so that it's delicious and that you enjoy it, you know? Um, and that's what I say about liver and heart and organ meats too. You'll, you can find ways. And I think that maybe some high level advice that I would give people is first, before you do anything else, before you worry about sourcing, before you worry about prep and cooking and recipes, go to a restaurant that, that makes some of these things and go have a professional make it for you so that you know what it's supposed to taste like you know you can go to like a mexican restaurant and get tongue tacos or you know you can get some pho like this some soup with like tendons and organs in it and um you can get foie gras and you can get sweetbreads and like have somebody who knows what they're doing show you how good organ meats can taste because that can take a little bit of the intimidation factor away from it um and i would say you can also uh i'm totally okay with you guys hiding organs in foods you already like a lot of people feel like this is like cheating like oh you know i i like mix some into my ground beef but like that's not really doing it yeah it is you're doing it like a healthier version of the food you already like by just kind of like sneaking some of it in there's absolutely nothing wrong with that at all um and that's very easy to do because if you guys are already making sausages burgers meatballs meatloaf stir fries whatever you're doing and you're using meat like let's just incorporate a little bit of organs and it doesn't have to be liver either. We'll talk about heart in a bit, but you don't, it doesn't always have to be liver. A lot of people, again, you're like going from zero to a hundred. You're like, I don't like organ meats. So I'm going to go eat some raw beef liver because somebody told me that was healthy. Like, of course, you're not going to enjoy that. Like that's not easy. <laughs> like not a lot of people are going to enjoy that if you do great. Um, but that isn't the way you have to do it, uh, to be healthy. You can really be, be very, um, subtle with it you can work your way up um oh and that was another idea work your way up you can start with smaller animal organs first a lot of people again you might see some folks on the internet who are crushing beef liver and like raw and like buffalo heart tartare and stuff like that maybe start with smaller animals um because smaller animal organs are going to be milder than bigger animals so a chicken liver a duck liver duck heart um lamb even that is going to have a much milder, probably easier to get your, your palate around than buffalo, bison, beef, larger animals. Um, and again, if we're talking about like the nutrient profiles, it's so, uh, it's so sort of like insignificant, really. Like we can say that the, the king of organ meats is like beef liver um, because it has like, the highest amounts of all of these vitamins and minerals and antioxidants. Um, but chicken liver is real healthy too. And so is lamb and heart is also very, very nutrient dense. It's not quite up to the scale of liver, but it's still really, really good. Um, cause I think one of the things I see a lot of times in just like nutritional coaching in general is that people feel like if they can't do everything perfectly, like don't do it at all. And if I can't, if I can't stomach beef liver, like organ meats are off the table. Um, it doesn't have to be that way, right? We can, we can really we can be creative and, and try a lot of different things. Okay, let's talk a little bit about hearts um, because I've been talking so much. Um, so heart, you can eat all animals, they're all delicious. The reason why I recommend heart instead of liver for a lot of people is because it is 
a muscle as well as an organ. So the textural issues that a lot of people have with kidneys, with liver, with um, sweetbreads, all of these things, you're not really going to get that with heart. It, it has like that beefy muscular um, texture that most people who eat meat are already going to be familiar with and comfortable with. Um, like I said, smaller hearts are going to be milder tasting. The bigger hearts are going to be stronger tasting. They generally taste of the animal. I thought it was really amazing the first time I bought lamb heart because I love lamb. I don't know about you guys, but it's like one of my favorite animals to eat. I just think it's delicious. And the heart tasted lamby, like it tasted like you could tell. So if you cook a bunch of different hearts and you like kind of put them in front of me, like I could probably tell you where they come from just tasting the heart, which is kind of cool. Um, so it is kind of a stronger taste than like, you know, the general muscle meat of an animal. It's going to be a bit more gamier and taste of the animal, um, which for most, a lot of people isn't a problem. I mean, I like game meats. I kind of like meatier tasting meat, but if you're hesitant about that, that's why going smaller will be better. Um, in terms of prepping them, so smaller hearts like chicken, duck, like small animals, they really require very little prep. You'll probably get them in a package of like a pound or a pound of like a bunch of, of hearts. And you really just kind of want to like rinse them. If any of them have like a lot of, if there's any kind of um, like extra fat or sort of anything on them, like uh, you can just kind of cut it away. But generally you're really just like rinsing them in water to kind of maybe get rid of any like extra blood that's inside the heart. Um, bigger hearts, again, a lot of this will generally be done for you because if you've ever seen a heart like freshly harvested from an animal, we've got all the like valves and ventricles and kind of like tubes coming in and out of the heart. Those don't taste good. They're very rubbery and, and not really edible. So you'd cut those away. Um, and generally those are going to be gone, um, most of the time. Uh, if you're getting a big heart, like a big beef or, or buffalo heart, they may still have sort of some of that like harder white fat around the heart. And normally I wouldn't tell anybody to get rid of fat, but in this case, this again, isn't really a tasty palatable fat. It's like very hard and kind of unpleasant. So you want to cut it away. Um, and that's really it. So if you get a big heart and it's got like anything that's sort of rubbery, tough, unpleasant looking or feeling attached to this beautiful red meat of the heart, you're just going to take a sharp knife and cut it away. And that's basically it. You can rinse it. Um, some people talk about soaking heart um, for like half an hour before you cook it. I don't personally think that's necessary. I think if you, if you rinse it and you kind of get rid of any like, you know, extraneous blood or obvious, you know, stuff on it, um, it's a clean meat and it's, it tastes like what it tastes like and it's delicious. I don't feel like um, soaking it really, lessens the flavor any or makes it milder. I don't think there's really any reason to do that. Um, membrane, that's a good word. Yeah, that's it. Um, yeah, I don't really have a trick, honestly. I've actually even Googled some like real hunters and stuff and how they do it. I think the key is like having a really sharp, good knife, honestly, um, and then practice because there isn't like a trick like, oh, if you slice up here, it all comes off. There really isn't a trick to it. You just kind of have to like play around with it. Um, yeah. And so the other thing that I love about hearts are that they are extremely versatile. You can do so many things with it. So um, because again, it's just a muscle meat. So you can, if you have a big heart, one of my favorite recipes in the book is it's stuffed heart. So I think I had in the recipe, it's um, like chopped bacon, mushroom, onion, and you kind of saute that a little bit. And then you like you slice open this heart um, lengthwise, stuff it, wrap it in twine, 
roast that baby for, I don't know, it's like 45 minutes. And then you have this beautiful, delicious, like it is so impressive looking when I made it. I was like, I, I am a chef now. Like I was so proud of myself when I made this and it was delicious. You slice it. It's this perfectly cooked meat that has some kind of delicious something in it. It would be great for Thanksgiving. It, it looks great. It was so easy to do. Um, so you can roast it. You can stuff it and roast it. You can marinate it and barbecue it in on skewers, shish kebabs on the, on the grill. Um, you can slice it really thin and like pan fry it in a bunch of ghee with some spices and like make a sandwich if you eat sandwiches. Um, heart, chicken hearts are really easy because they're so small and simple that I literally uh, just pan fry them like in butter or ghee and some spices. And then I put them in a salad. I put them on top of my vegetables. I just eat them on their own like little kind of popcorn chicken bites. They taste like dark chicken, dark meat chicken. Um, it's funny because they were really like my gateway was chicken hearts. And I remember the first couple times I posted that I was like making chicken heart stuff and people kept asking me for recipes. This was before the book. And I was like, I don't know what to tell you. Like you just cook them and then you eat them. Like there isn't a recipe. They're so simple and so easy and so good. Like you really don't need a recipe. They're that simple. Um, but you know, I put them in cold salads, chop them up. Like I made a cob salad. Um, and instead of chicken breast, like boring white chicken breast, I put chicken hearts in there. Um, I make beef jerky. Um, that's a really good one. If any of you guys have a dehydrator heart makes delicious jerky. And I, I'm not, quite sure why. I think it might just be maybe like the stronger, slightly chewier texture of a heart lends itself really, really well to beef jerky. Um, but you get a good marinade, you make it slice it kind of on the thicker side um, and don't dehydrate it until it's like really, really tough and tough and dried out. Like wait till it's just like just chewy. So delicious. Um, what else do I make? I've got a couple of recipes, so I will send you guys um, some links to some recipes that I pulled out of the book um, and a couple other ones that aren't in the book um, so you can try them. All right, that's all for today. I know it kind of cut off a little abruptly, but that was basically the gist of the heart conversation. So if you have any other questions in terms of sourcing, prepping, cooking, whatever, of course, you should probably just buy my book at this point because I lay it all out very detailed um, in It Takes Guts. But if you do have any other questions, feel free to reach out to me and I will help you if I can. If you would like me to do another similar episode like this, or maybe, I don't know, a video video tutorial, I need to get on that um, in terms of how to break down or prep or uh, cook other organs. Maybe you're interested in sweetbreads. Maybe you're interested in kidney or tripe or something else. Let me know. Give me feedback. Send me a message. I will provide for you if you let me know what you need. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please, please share it with someone who could benefit. Please leave me a rating and review wherever you listen to podcasts because it really does help me uh, by giving me feedback and letting me know that you want me to keep doing this. So appreciate it. I appreciate you. I hope you have a happy, healthy, sunny week and uh, I'll see you back here again soon. Thanks everybody. Thank you.